Welcome to Seven Mile Ministry. We hope you enjoy this message. This thing's froze like a brick, buddy. But if you go to sleep, I can hit you in the head with it. We've been talking about, um, well, first of all, everybody in the center of the, the building has, has vacated. It looks like they're gone. I don't see them anymore. So I've got all left and right. So I don't know who's right and who's left. Depends on which way you're looking at it. But we've been talking about uh, healing for the past several weeks and what God's will is concerning healing and what belongs to you and what belongs to me as a believer. And... Um, I'm not going to backtrack on that, but I think we've, we've, we've driven the point home that it is God's will for everybody to be healed, not to be sick. He said it's not his will that any should perish but have everlasting life. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for us for that reason. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus came that we'd have life and have it more abundantly. We could go on and on, and that's what we've been doing in the past weeks is talking about healing, and it is God's will for us to be healed. And... Um, so we're going to keep going in today in that direction, but um, basically how, what, what to do. I mean, okay, now we believe it, now what? You believe it in your heart and you're confessing it with your mouth, now what? And what we're going to talk about today, you can apply it to any part of your life, I tell you, not just healing. And these scriptures we've gone over talking about healing, you know, healing. Uh, there are specific scriptures talking about healing of your body where uh, people were healed of, in, in the scripture, people were healed of lame legs, blind eyes, deaf ears, uh, of bad diseases, leprosy, things of that nature. But there's also those other types of healing as well. Some people need a healing in your back pocket, in that checkbook. Some people need a healing at, at work or relationship or healing in your marriage or a healing in a lot of places. Amen? So uh, it's all been provided to us. So... As I was thinking this week about things that stand in the way, and I know we covered a lot of scriptures last week. I don't have as many this week, but I do have a, a good little handful. Um, I need y'all for like five days straight. Then I don't have to keep you so long on Sunday. But if we could just go five days, ten days straight and come in here, well, we could get a lot accomplished, I'll tell you. But... Um, I, I do use a lot of scripture. I like to, you to see it on the screen for yourself. And you need to get into the scripture at your house and read it with your own eyeballs. Amen. But a problem is unbelief. You know, there's a man in the Bible that said, I believe, but help my unbelief. And unbelief, how many different ways that comes. And uh, one of the biggest ways that unbelief comes is uh, wrong teaching. You've just been taught wrong. Uh, a man-made doctrine or just somebody's opinion of something and just wrong teaching. Been taught that God makes you sick, he's teaching you a lesson. Well, that's not, that's not scriptural. You can't find one scripture to back up that Jesus came to make you sick. Not one time did he make anybody sick. In fact, the sick came to him and he healed all of them. That's what you'll see multiple times that people just taught wrong and you grow up. I mean, some people were taught, you know, growing up that you um, perhaps were an Auburn fan. And then you became an adult and you realize that's stupid. Now you're an Alabama fan or, or vice versa. I was taught, I, I had Alabama shirts and hats and clothes and um, said roll tide. And then I got older and realized I could really care less who wins, to be honest. If they let me play out there, it'd be different, but they won't let me. So I'm going to go do something different. But you know what I'm saying? You can grow up being taught that. And just because Granny said it, don't make it right. You need, to, you need to compare everything to the Word of God. And the Word of God tr trumps what any man ever says. Another one is uh, just natural unbelief. Natural unbelief, because you're going to walk by... Your, na natural is to walk by sight, not by faith. I see it, and that's, it is what it is. I mean, they said I'm sick and I am, or they said I'm broke, or the economy's going one way or the other, walking by uh, in the natural, but you're not supposed to walk in the natural. We're supposed to be spirit-led. And let me tell you this. If you're spirit-led, you won't make a mistake. 
If you're 100% spirit-led in every decision you make in life, you won't make a mistake because the Spirit's never going to lead you to make a wrong decision. The Spirit of God's right 100% of the time. That's a fact. If you, if you make a mistake, you can't say, well, God misled me. No, he didn't. You, you misled because you got... You, the flesh led you down this road going this direction when the Spirit was saying, hey, go this way. Do we do it? Yeah, we do it all the time. Of course. Um, so don't be blaming God. You need to go get, look in the mirror and say, yeah, that old boy right there in the mirror looking back at me. He's the one that, yep, my fault. I don't like that, I can tell. The other one is just Ignorance. Not knowing the Word of God. Not knowing what the Word of God says. What the Word of God does say uh, is my children shall perish due to the lack of knowledge. That's Hosea 4, 6. My children shall perish due to a lack of knowledge because we don't know what the Word says. Have no clue what the Word says because you haven't been taught, you had not dug into it, you haven't tried to learn. And not knowing, you know, if you don't know a shark will eat you and you jump in shark-infested waters, you're going to get eaten alive. Because you were ignorant to the fact that sharks will eat you. Amen. That's why I don't like to go to the beach. I don't like sand, the sun, I got red hair, salt water, and then they got to worry about sharks. So I just like stay north. But here's what we're talking about. We're talking about the kingdom of God being governed by laws. The kingdom of God is governed by laws. That's the way God set the kingdom up, to be governed by laws. And people say, well, God could have if he wanted to. He could have saved me. Uh, look at all the violence going on in the world today. Look at all the things that are, you can turn the news on any channel you like. You're going to see somebody getting beat up and uh, some store getting burned or vandalized or something's going on. It's just chaos. Well, God could stop that if he wanted. No, because he'd be violating his laws. You're a, you're a grown-up human being, man and woman. You can make your own choices. You can choose to do good or you can choose to do evil. You can choose Jesus or you, you can choose heaven or hell. And uh, that's the way God's laws are set up, amen? Now, you see people out of control, but if you go back in the beginning, he gave us control. He gave Adam and Eve control. He said, I give you dominion and authority, which means I give you control. But what we see is people out of control because they've lost control to who? The adversary, to Satan. They've given it to him, amen? We're supposed to be salt and light. And if you've lost your... Saltiness, what good's the salt? What's salt and light mean? That means you're supposed to be an influence. You know, if, if, I, get, if I walk out the door today and never come back, I hope, I hope somebody here can say, well, he influenced me in a good way. I hope, I hope you can say, well, who cares? He, I mean, who's going to miss that joker? Some of you may say that. I don't know. But we're supposed to be an influence, and you are. One way or the other, good or bad, amen? So this law that we're talking about, laws of God, let's get into that, but a law is something that's consistent. It doesn't change. God doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He, he doesn't waver. He's not like us, wavering, loving somebody one minute, hating somebody the next. His love is unconditional. He's not loving you based off your performance. He's lo loving you based off the fact that you're his child. He's loving you based off the fact that you've been covered with the blood of Jesus. And when he looks and sees Jesus, guess what? He sees you. When he sees you, he sees Jesus. That is, if you're born again. That's how God sees you. He sees you just the same. There's this thing called gravity. It's a law. Aerodynamics is a law. There's a law of electricity. We can't make gravity go away. In other words, if a plane crashes into the ground, it's not because the law of gravity just quit working for a moment. Something went wrong with the airplane or with the pilot. Something went wrong causing it to crash. The law of gravity didn't change. It doesn't change. The law of aerodynamics, if you're in an airplane and you're flying, the law of aerodynamics, if the plane crashed, the law of aerodynamics didn't quit working. That law has been there since the beginning of time. It was there. Something went wrong with the plane. Electricity. You got the, uh, uh, the law of ohms. People say ohm meter. A lot of people don't even know what ohm meter means. O-H-M-S. Ohms. The law of ohms. It's a law. You know what? If you grab a wire and you're standing on the ground, you're going to get electrocuted. It's a law. 
It's going to happen. If it's a hot live wire and you just grab a hold of the thing and you're grounded, electricity will flow through your body. Ask me how I know. Because I've been electrocuted many times. Not a lot of AC stuff because I steer way clear of that. I hate it. I don't like it. I mean, I don't, it's not my thing. I run from it like it's a spider. And I don't like spiders either. But DC shock, I used to weld. I got electrocuted weekly, all the time. You get soaked in sweat, and you're up against something, and you're welding, you're going to get lit up. It's just part of it. Um, and when you get DC shock, boy, you can feel it. You can feel it in your teeth. You can taste it. Now you, should, you can. Anybody ever been there know what I'm talking about? A few people, yeah. Guess what? I was grounded. I was grounded. I didn't... Uh, the fact that I didn't want it to happen didn't change the law. It happened. Electricity flowed through my body. It'll flow through your body. Amen? You could just use tithing, for example. You could say, I don't know why God's not helping me. All these bills, and I've been praying, believing, trusting. Well, there's a law. There's a principle. It's called seed time and harvest. It's called uh, sowing and reaping. Well, are you tithing? Well, you can just clench your fist, grit your teeth, and beg God, and do all that all you want. But if you're not applying <laughs> these laws to your life, it's just not going to work because he's not going to go against his word. Amen? So let's get this, let's get this right here uh, out of the way. Um, the thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. And I have come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. That's one you need to memorize. That's one you need to have on your refrigerator with a magnet right there. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So let's just go ahead and get this right here out of the way. Good comes from God and bad comes from Satan. Good comes from God and evil things come from Satan. Don't give God the credit for evil. Don't give God the credit for bad things taking place in your life. It's not him that wrecked your finances. It's not him that made you sick. It's not him that destroyed the relationship. Most of the time, the relationship gets destroyed by your mouth, if you want to know the truth. But it's by your actions. It's by something we've done. God didn't do it. The Satan obviously whispers in your ear and gets you to say things and to do things that you ought not to do. Once again, is evil. Where did it come from? It came from Satan. You consented. You let him operate through your mouth. But religion teaches uh, that a lot of religion teaches sickness comes from God. That God put this sickness on you to teach you a lesson. That God put this sickness on you to draw you closer to him. That God killed your child to draw you closer to him. I know a couple that's got a ministry that go out and they fill up entire uh, uh, civic centers or coliseums and they... They're well known, and they talk about how their child drowned. That God took him, and God took him to draw them closer to him. That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my life. Why would God want to take a child? It plainly says the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. The thief came and did that. Did God receive that child? Absolutely. But why would God want to, if God killed your child to draw you closer, let's just, let's just use common sense. That makes no sense. If Kef wants to be a closer friend to me, and he decides he's just going to kill Mackenzie right there, me and him, we ain't going to be close. I mean, I'm going to try to get close to him because I'm going to try to kill him back. That's not going to draw you closer. Will God use a bad situation? And turn it to good to draw you closer? Absolutely, because that's what his word says. Well, let's just get it right. Good comes from the devil and bad... Oh, dear Lord. <laughs> good comes from God and bad comes from Satan. But religious... You know, regular, ordinary people that aren't religious don't think this way. I mean, you've you got to be a special kind of dumb to think that. And I don't mean to be ugly, but I'm just, I'm just saying that, that God, our God, full of grace and mercy... He loves us so much he gave his son to die for us. Why in the world would he want to take or put disease on you and make you live a life of, merge, uh, of misery? It absolutely makes no sense. But I was reading this scripture yesterday. What are those who call evil good and good evil? That's the time we live in. Who, who put darkness for light and light for darkness? Who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter? In other words, that's the world we're living in right now. Look around. 
They're saying uh, abortion, that's good. It's your body, your choice. Uh, homosexuality, yeah, that's fine too. They're calling what's evil good and what's good evil. You know, if you stand for, if you actually have some morals, people make fun of you. Look at Tim Tebow, Tim Tebow dating this supermodel, and she wanted to get with him worse than he wanted to get with her, so he broke up with her. Everybody made fun of him, ridiculed, told him he's an idiot. Why? Because he had morals? Because he loves the Lord? That's the world we live in. Now, it's not just happening in worldly things, but I'm just saying it's happening in religious too. It's happening in churches. When churches stand up and speak, that happened to teach you a lesson. Let me tell you, violating these laws uh, will kill you. If you go to, step to a cliff and step off gravity, you're, you're going to the ground. But I want us to flow in these laws. Amen? So let's look in Mark, the fifth chapter, the 25th verse. Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years, and she has suffered many things from many physicians. She has spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. She exhausted all her resources. Nothing. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I only may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately, the fountain of her blood was dried up. She felt in her body that she was healed from the affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? Now notice there, he knew that power had gone out of him. He knew that virtue had gone out of him. He perceived that. But he said, who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, you see the multitude thronging you? And you say, who touched me? You got to get... Get, get, get this picture right here. He's walking down a crowded street. It'll be like a big concert, rock and roll, country concert, where it's just packed full of people, and you just decide you're just going to walk in through the middle of them. And people are just thronging you and touching you. You're just going through the crowds. Anybody ever been through a crowd like that? That's what Jesus is doing. That's what they're describing here. And they say, and you want to know who touched you? The question is, who hasn't touched you? You've touched everybody. Everybody's touched you. You're brushing up against everybody. And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Amen. Now, I want, I want to go back to where it said that uh, Jesus, not knowing who had touched him, People say, well, he's all God. He can just do, you know, we compare ourselves to Jesus. And I say not compare ourselves to Jesus, but Jesus said, do it this way. Do it like I'm doing it. But a lot of times we say, well, he did it, but that's because he's Jesus. Yeah, but Jesus said, do it like me. He actually said, the things you've seen me do, you can even do greater things. So by saying, well, he did it because he's Jesus, that's just a cop out. No, he said, do it like me. So right here, he said, who touched me? Who touched me? He didn't know who touched him. Now, I want you to see in the spirit, yeah, he's God, but he's also man. So there are physical limitations. That's why he said, who touched me? Did he know who touched him? Look right here. Well, you ain't got to turn your Bible. Let me show you. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. That means as Jesus grew... He increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. That means you can do the same thing. You know, he was born a baby. He wasn't spit out a grown man in the synagogue teaching. He was a little baby. He had to learn how to walk and how to talk, and how to be potty trained, and how to ride a bicycle, and how to do all these things. Guess what? He had to learn these other things too. Y'all don't think he had a bike? You never know. But he increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God. He perceived. He perceived that virtue fl flowed out of him. He said, who touched my clothes? Who, I, now I know somebody touched me. They said, they said, you say somebody touched you. Look who, everybody's touching you. That's different. That's a difference. See, a lot of people touched him, but a lot of people weren't touched. 
See, she touched him and she was touched in return. He felt virtue flow out of him. Let me tell you, a lot of times, and I'm up here preaching, I can feel different people in the crowd. I can feel an anointing. I can feel it's like a magnet just going directly towards a person or directly towards an area. And I don't necessarily see things in your life, but I'm telling you, there's, there's a drawing, there's a pulling. You can just tell, just like when Alicia started singing, there's power in the name of Jesus. About the second or third slide, I couldn't even feel my body because the anointing was so heavy, it was tingling from top of my head to the tip of my toes. I'm telling you, it was powerful. There's a difference. You can feel it. It's, you wouldn't trade it for a sack of gold. Anyway, he felt this virtue. He felt this power flow from him. Somebody came up there and got a little bit of that. Amen? He didn't size her up. He didn't turn around and go, hey, wait a second now, before you get this healing, how many times have you been to church this year? Have you been paying your tithes? Have you been praying? Have you been reading and studying my word? Have you sinned any? He didn't go down the checklist. But a lot of times we, we look at God like that and we think, I haven't got it all together. I have, I've messed up or God's not going to heal me. He's not going to provide for me. He's not going to answer that prayer because I flipped that guy off in traffic yesterday or because um, I don't call my mama like I should or whatever it is. That's what we think in our minds. God's not sizing you up. He's looking at Jesus. Is Jesus good enough? You're good enough. Because it says Jesus is seated at the right hand of the throne of God and you're seated with him in heavenly realms. He's in you and you're in him. See, but she connected right here. And when she connected, guess what? It flowed. That's what we've got to do is we've got to connect. You want healing to flow in your body, we've got to connect. You want answers to your prayers, you want uh, finances, uh, relationships, marriages, joy, peace, long list of things. You've got to connect with what? The power source. You've got to connect with it. There's electricity in this building right here, and it's available to anybody that wants to flip that switch. I come in here on Sunday mornings, and I turn the lights on, and I turn the air conditioner down. That's because there's power here. I don't, I don't call the outbound power company and ask them if they'll come over here and cut the lights on for me because they've already provided and plumbed power into this building. This power has been generated somewhere at a steam plant or at the dam. Power has been generated, and it comes to this building. It's here. As long as you pay the power bill, and that's not how the kingdom of God operates. You don't have to pay the power bill. But there's power here. It's available. I didn't go in my office and cry this morning. I didn't go in there and get on my hands and knees and beg God to please turn the lights on, turn the AC down, because people's lives depend on it. Because I can guarantee you if the air conditioner wasn't working, there wouldn't be as many people sitting out there as there are right now. So people's lives do depend on it. It's a difference in being healed or not and being saved or not. Amen? But the power is at my command. And what I mean is, I just flipped that switch on. I just flipped that switch on. The power's at my command. The power's at your command too. That's how I want you to look at this thing. Now, in Luke, the uh, ninth chapter, don't even turn there. Let me read this real quick. Then he called his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. He sent them to preach the kingdom of God and heal the sick. Notice he called all his disciples together and he gave them power and authority over what? Demons. And to do what? Cure diseases. And to do what else? Go out and preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He gave them a power and authority to go out and proclaim the kingdom of God, teach about Jesus, tell everybody about Jesus, to lay hands on the sick so that they shall recover. That's what he gave them a power and authority to do. And then he said, go out and make more disciples. Do you think just those disciples had the power and authority, but the ones they turned into disciples didn't? Well, no. What good would a disciple be without any power and authority? Why well, no. Are you a disciple? Are you a follower of Jesus Christ? Let me tell you, you have the power and you have the authority. In fact, you've got the same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead. Uh, the eyes of your, this is in Ephesians. He says, I hope that the eyes of your understanding, this is my prayer, he's saying, uh, being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory 
uh, of his inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe, get this, according to the working of his mighty power that raised Christ, uh, I didn't put that last verse in there, my bad, the mighty power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead. So the same power that he used to raise Christ Jesus from the dead is the same power that's working inside of you. That's the one that he gave you. That's the authority, the power that you've been given. Now, you don't have to use it. You don't have to use the power and authority. You do not have to use it. You're walking around with a loaded gun. A, a, an animal, wild animal come and, come and attack you, and you could just get eaten alive, or you could use the loaded gun that you've been given, and you could shoot the thing. That's what the problem is. It's not do we have it. It's one, we don't know we do. And the ones that do know we do, we're not really sure that we do. We've been good enough to use it or we just don't use it. We got How do you use it? With that mouth. You speak it. You believe it in your heart and you speak it with your mouth. Amen? Now, Jesus perceived... Um, well, let me back up. Let me touch on this. It ain't, it's not a begging. It's a commanding. It's a commanding. You command things. Why? Because you have the power. Why? Because you have the authority. If somebody sends you, sends you out on a job site and you're just one of the guys, you do not have power and you do not have authority over anybody there. You're just one of them. But if the owner of the company says, you are in charge of everybody, you're the general foreman, you're the supervisor, all these people are under your authority. Now you can walk out there and go, hey, you get the shovel. Hey, you get the saw. You go over there and get the forklift. Uh, you go over there and fix me a cup of coffee. Because you've been given the power and authority. Now, Jamie worked for me. I tell him to go uh, clean the toilet. But it's authority that's been given to us. Um, you command it. You say, I'm going to command God. No, don't look at it that way. I know a guy listened to me preach one time and he got confused. <laughs> and he called me. He said, I've been telling God every morning, I command you, God, to do these things. And um, which God knows that he, he just don't understand. And I explained it to him and he's good now. But uh, not command in a sense of, God, you do it. You know? In Isaiah, the 45th chapter, the 11th verse says, Thus saith the Lord, the Holy One of Israel and his maker, ask me of things to come concerning my sons and concerning the work of my hands. It says, you command me. Not command you as in uh, you're commanding God to do it, but commanding in a sense of the power and authority that has been given to you. It's been given to you. You're not the power source, but the power source has been given to you, and the power source is at your command. Amen. It's not a, oh, God, please. Let me tell you, this thing's up to you. It's up to you. It's up to you. And people say, well, are you saying it's my fault? Well, I'm not saying anything's your fault, but I can tell you things that happen in my life, um, they're my fault. It's not God's fault. It's my fault. I allowed Satan to come into my life in a certain way. I allowed him to get into my mind and make me say things I shouldn't say or start thinking things I shouldn't say. You'll always think it first and then you speak it. You'll think he's doing something he's really not doing or she said something she really didn't say. Or you'll think this, that, or the other. That's how Satan gets in your mind. He starts messing with you, thinking the grass is greener on the other side. If you just leave her, this woman over here will treat you better. But let me tell you, if the grass is greener on that side over there, that's because somebody's watering the grass more than you are. Amen. I'll just amen myself. I didn't ask for it. I didn't ask for this sickness to be put on me or I didn't ask for him to do this or her to do that or I didn't ask for these things. No, I know I know that. I know nobody went and prayed and said, Lord Jesus, will you please just give me COVID? Will you give me the Rona? Nobody would ever pray that, Lord. I'm just feeling like I'm in a little pneumonia. Would you slap some on me? Nobody's ever prayed that, I wouldn't think. I mean, there might be some nut out there that prayed they'd get COVID so they get off work for two weeks and get paid. I don't know. 
but that's just plumb silly. But it, I say it's not your fault as in you didn't pray for it, but I'm talking about our fault as believing the lie and just going through life thinking there's nothing that you can do. There's nothing you can do about it. It's just, it's just it is what it is. I mean, what am I going to do about it? Well, use the power and authority that's been given to you. Don't believe the lie. Believe the truth. Believe the word. Find out what the word says concerning the matter. That's what we need to do. You know, it's just a name. COVID, Corona, Rona, whatever you want to call it, it's just a name. That's all it is. Cancer's a name. Pneumonia's a name. Flu's a name. Diabetes is a name. Asthma's a name. All these things are a name. But let me tell you, there's another name. It's the name of Jesus. It's the name that's above every name. And every other name will knee, will bow, tongue, will confess. Guess what? The name of Jesus. That means his name's above these names. That's why we were singing, looking at the words on the screen, there's power in the name of Jesus. There ain't no power in your name. There's power in the name of Jesus. And he's giving you his name to use, to speak. You're not powerless. You've got the power. You need to walk around like you're somebody. You know, people in Hollywood or movie stars or athletes walk around like they're somebody. You know what? They ain't nobody unless they got Jesus. It blows my mind how people wait in line just to see somebody. An actor from Hollywood that's been married 17 times and had 27 affairs and snorting cocaine. But I just want to look at you because you played in that movie and you're a good actor. Watch them as they get by. Who gives a rip? I'm going to wait in line up there so I can get my picture taken with this football. I know some people that used to attend church here, they skipped church on Sunday because they went to Walmart. They stood in line for hours to get their picture taken with that national championship football. They wasn't on the team. <laughs> you don't even know anybody on the team. Some of y'all may have done that, sorry, but that's just plum silly. <laughs> Roll Tide. I'm just human. What am I going to do? Well, you're looking at it wrong if you think you're just human. In fact, you're three parts, and one-third of you is wall-to-wall Holy Ghost. Problem is, that other third, one of those other thirds is your flesh, and it's pulling the Holy the Spirit around. See, we got it in reverse. That's why I'm talking about being Spirit-led. Amen? You just need to laugh at it. I, I, I don't watch a lot of news. I don't watch a lot of TV, but every now and again, and I just mean for a few minutes a week, I'll flip the station on, I'll laugh. I'll say, these people have lost their minds. I laugh. I laugh at it. That's what you should do. You should laugh at it. Oh, you're going to catch it. Laugh at it. Laugh at pneumonia. Laugh at flu. Laugh at cancer. Laugh at all these things. Just laugh at them. It's a joke. I ain't catching it. You might be, but I'm not going to. Laugh at it. The Word of God tells you to. In Psalms, the second chapter, the fourth verse, he who sits in heaven shall laugh. The Lord shall hold them in, that's a word right there. That's a new one, derision. But to laugh at it, just to laugh at it, that's a different translation than I read earlier. They get me like that sometimes. It's a laugh. Just to laugh. I mean, you think you got something on me? You ain't got nothing on me. You don't know who I am. Evidently, you don't know the power that resides on the inside of me and the authority that I've been given. You can't touch this. Can't touch this. Who sang that song? MC Hammer. <laughs> you can't touch this. Yeah, I know, but they said, man... Everybody's getting it, and uh, there's just no hope. Well, Matthew 19, chapter 26, verse, you know what it says? It says, with man, that things are impossible. With God, all things are possible. Amen. Well, you know, it's the economy, and you live in the U.S. You see, U.S. economy, and you live in the United States of America, so it is going to affect you, and, you know, it's just, it's just, it's not looking good. It's just, it's looking bad, and it's just, you know, it's just not possible. Well, Mark, the ninth chapter, 23rd verse says, all things are possible through him who believes. It just depends on what you're going to believe, whose report you're going to believe. What word are you going to build your life on? The word on that media? 
from the media, on the news, on the radio, the word from everybody that seems to have lost their mind or this word of God right here. Because if think about it, you watch the news and you know how they always show the reporters that said this now, but five years ago they said that different. Or six months ago they said this and now they said different. Or the president or anybody in office, you know how they do, they'll catch them. They'll say, well, you said this now, but you said that then. See how they change? I mean, people will tell you, I love you. Let's get married, but then they'll say, I don't love you, I want a divorce. People change. People change. Companies say, invest in us, invest in this, and we promise you all this, and it's looking good, but then things change, and now all of a sudden, there ain't nothing left of that investment. Things change. Guess what never changes? The Word of God. That's why you need to stick to that, because it doesn't change. The same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. We need to use the power and authority that we've been given to rebuke these things. To rebuke it. Now, you're sitting on the couch with your family, watching TV. And where I sit on my couch, if I lean back a little and look like that, I can see the pizza man at the door. I can see who's at my door. Nobody's going to sneak up on me. I can just look where well, the pizza man came yesterday. I saw him out there. And, uh, and I was sitting in my spot on the couch, and I looked. Yep. Hot pepperoni pizza waiting for me just... 20 feet away. Praise the Lord. But you know, if there was a man out there with a mask on, dressed in all black, with a pry bar trying to get in my door, I'm not going to go run in my bedroom and shut the door and call 911 or start praying, oh Lord, help me. I'm going to go to the front door. There's going to be some rebuking going on. You understand? I want to fight. I want to go for my family. There's my wife and children over here, and some maniacs trying to get in my house. Uh-uh, uh-uh, that ain't gonna happen. See, you're gonna use a weapon against him, some sort of a weapon. It may be a cast iron skillet. It may be five of these where you sneeze, knuckle sandwich, or it may be you may be going to shoot him. But you're going to use some type of a weapon. I'm not just going to go in defense mode. I'm going to go in, I'm going to go on the offense. Amen. Same thing with Satan. When he comes up there knocking on your door, trying to get into your house, trying to get into your life, trying to get into your finances, trying to get into your peace, trying to get into your marriage, trying to get into your health, you've got to rebuke him with what? Your mouth with an offensive weapon. We've been given a whole armor, a helmet, a sword, a breastplate, a, a buckle, protection for your feet. One offensive weapon is that sword. It's a sword of the Spirit. That's representing the Word of God. You speak the Word. That's how you do it with your mouth. You rebuke it with what? The Word. That's how you rebuke Satan when he comes up into your house, up into your life. How does he do it? Well, one way is he gets in between them ears. Sometimes he gets between her ears. It's my wife. And I had to rebuke him. And I say, Lord, get out of her head. I mean, Lord, get, devil, get out of there. She's talking about going, spending some more money. Lord Jesus, that's rebuke the, Satan, get behind me. I'm kidding, but y'all know what I'm saying. I'm telling you, fear. Fear is how Satan gets you. Fear is what this world operates. Everybody is lost their minds here lately. Why? Common sense? No. Fear. Fear. Rona's coming and it's coming to a neighborhood near you. <laughs> it's coming to get you. It's coming. Fear. And everybody get, goes crazy. The newsman said it's going to snow. You can't buy milk and bread for 100 miles. Fear. Fear. You can apply that same thing to any area of your life and uh, see how we're motivated and moved by fear. I got to hurry here. But we're here to learn. Here to learn. That's why we're here. Here to learn. Learn that you have authority. Uh, you know, if you grab electricity, if you grab the power source and you're grounded, uh, things are going to happen. Well, you need to grab a hold of the truth which is God's Word, and you need to be grounded in the Word, and things are going to happen. 
You can grab a hold of the power line and be grounded. I can guarantee you something's going to happen. The same way with the word with God, with the kingdom, with the laws I'm talking about. When you grab a hold of the truth and you're grounded in the word, things are going to happen. Don't believe the lie. Don't buy into the fear. Don't get over into fear. Amen. She, uh, Jesus said, who touched me? I want you to see she touched him in faith. She touched him in faith. We've got to touch him in faith. There's people that travel this world to have a special anointing of healing. They go and pack out buildings every weekend, sometimes every night of the week, flying around the whole country, and they have a special anointing of healing. But let me tell you, you can't replace your faith with somebody else's anointing or somebody else's faith. What I want to teach you is to get it yourself. Don't rely on me to do the praying for you. Don't rely on me. You can do it. You've been given the power and authority. This is an example that Jesus has given us, this woman, her faith. Is there anything wrong with people that have an anointing to go around laying hands like that? Well, of course not. Absolutely not. But I'm talking about if, if you have a problem in your life, if you're sick, are you going to go seek out somebody with a special anointing and travel across the country so they can lay hands on you? No, you need to get better while you're waiting. Like that, some sports have, have been canceled, or sometimes, you know, just like uh, we were playing baseball in the spring, and we only played a few games. Next thing you know, they put the brakes on it. Well, what do you do in the meantime? Do you just sit on the couch and eat donuts? You get better while you wait, because there's another opportunity coming to play the, play the ball game. I'm not sick, I'm healthy. Marriage is fine, money's good, it's all good. Get better while you wait, because there will be an opportunity. There's gonna be an opportunity to what? Apply your faith, to speak your faith, to use your faith. Amen. Um, put the laws of God in practice. Don't substitute your faith with, with somebody else's because he specifically said here, your faith, your faith. He told the woman, your faith made you whole. You've got to walk in that faith. Amen? Amen. So he said she heard about Jesus. Y'all remember the 25th verse? She was sick. She heard. She heard. Well, there's going to have to be some hearing going on. Romans the 10th, chapter the 17th verse. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You're going to have to hear. She had to hear about Jesus. I'm assuming everybody here in this building heard about Jesus or you wouldn't be here. You heard about Jesus, you've got to hear some word. How would you know what word to apply to a given situation if you don't know any word? You can't re rely on me to know the word for you. You can't rely on Granny to know the word for you. You need to know some word for your own life. You can sit up there in the balcony and goof off on your phone while I'm preaching, or you can pay attention to what I'm saying and learn some word. Oh, it's bad when you get busted like that, isn't it? Mm. Learn some word. You need some word. How are you going to apply something you don't know? You're not going to call me over to your house to do your plumbing. I'm not a plumber. If I need a plumber, I know the best plumber in town right over there. How do I know he's the best? I've seen his work. This guy's no joke. He knows how to do it. There's things I know how to do. There's things that Larry knows how to do. There's things everybody knows how to do. How do you, you, you know? You learned it. <laughs> you learned it. Well, you've got to learn this word. Because when the doctor's report comes in, or your husband comes in and tells you he don't think he loves you anymore, or when the bank calls, let me tell you, who got recruited to play for the Tide's not going to help you. See, when you know more football stats than you know word, there's a problem. When you know how, who, who hit the most home runs this year, who's the best outfielder, and how much they make a year more than you know word, there's a problem. Because those things just aren't going to help you. There's nothing wrong with recruiting and football and baseball. There's nothing wrong with any of those things. What I'm telling you is you've got to know this word. You've got to know it better than you know your own self. You've got to know it. When you know the word and you're rooted in the word and you stand on the word and bad news comes, it don't even bother you. I'm going to tell you right now, if I put it in reverse and backed up five, six, seven, eight, ten years ago, the way I felt about the whole Rona situation would be entirely different. The way I'd feel if somebody stiffed me on a job and didn't pay me, I'd feel entirely different. 
I'm, I've been on a scale of zero to 10. I'll just go ahead and be honest with you. I've been on the zero fear level with Corona. I could care less about Corona. It ain't nothing but a name. I know a name that's greater than the Corona. It's the name of Jesus. It scares me zero, zero, zero. I shut the doors down here at the church. I say I shut them down. I didn't shut them. You could have came if you wanted to. I encourage you to stay home because of other people's fear, not mine. And I wish I could go back in time. I never would have done that. That's one regret I have in my life is ever doing that. I shouldn't have done that. I, I was motivated by other people's fear. Dang, I shouldn't have done that. But I can't look behind me. I just got to go on forward. If that's the worst mistake I make in my life, I'll be doing all right. Praise the Lord. There's got to be a seed. The seed's got to be sown. You know what the seed is? The Word of God. The Word of God's the seed. You look at the parable of the sower. The parable of the sower starts off like this. The sower sows the Word. Guess who's the sower? You, me. The sower sows the seed. Guess what? There's a harvest coming. There's not going to be a harvest if you don't plant some seeds, I guarantee you. There is not a garden in my backyard right now. You know why? Ain't nobody planting those seeds. But yesterday, Jackie said, you think we can plant a garden back there next year? And I said, yeah, but we've got a lot more room in our front yard. <laughs> just messing with her. The side front, it's big. It's just a big waste of nothing, just a bunch of grass to cut. They might as well plant something. But she didn't like the idea of that because that looked, you know, redneck here in the neighborhood with a bunch of corn tomatoes growing out in your front yard. <laughs> Sounds pretty good, like a good idea to me. But you know, there's going to be some seeds that are going to have to be sown. If there's a 500-acre field and we go down the middle and separate it 250 and I plant corn on this 250, I guarantee you on the other 250 there won't be corn. Corn's not going to grow in this field just because it's next to this field that has been sown. In other words, if you're a woman and you want to get pregnant and you find you a pregnant woman and you go stand beside her, you won't get pregnant. If you want to get pregnant, you just shake a man's hand, you won't get pregnant. There's going to have to be some intimacy, and I'm not going to teach on that right now, but you've got to do more than shake hands. There will have to be a seed sown. And I'm telling you, the Word of God's a seed, and that's a seed that's got to be sown. How do you sow it with that mouth? You've got to speak the Word. Praise the Lord. It's got to be intimate, intimate. You've got to get into the Word. Read this word when you get home. Read it in the morning when you wake up. Spend, spend, spend uh, one-tenth of the time you do on Facebook in the word. And life will change for you. Because most people's on Facebook six, eight, ten hours a day. I mean, just get up in the morning. It's easy. Bible out, verse of the day, read it. Read something, get in the word. You need to be reading a chapter a day and just riding down the road just thinking about scriptures. And when you hear something on the radio, I ain't buying into that job because the word says this. But you can't do that if you don't know word. We've got to get into the word. Everybody here, get into the word for yourself. Amen. I ain't coming down on them. I'm just telling you it's important. And in my 45 years of life, I've never seen more importance than right now. Some of you older may have seen some things I haven't, probably have a lot. But I've never seen more important at the time. <laughs> it ain't long. It's not going to be long. There's going to be some trumpets being sounded. How bad would it be if you get the hotel room with your girlfriend and your wife and kids are home when that trumpet sounds? Oh, Lordy. That'd be bad, wouldn't it? Mm. She heard the words. So that's the first thing. You've got to hear the word. You've got to hear it. You've got to hear the word. Reading it with your eyeballs, that's hearing it. You're hearing it with a different set of ears. So you can hear me speaking the word every Sunday. That's good. But you need to hear yourself, which is better. Um, she's a doer. She was a doer. She didn't sit home, beg, cry. Oh, Lord, do something, save me. She did something. James, the first chapter, 22nd verse, says faith without works is dead, doesn't it? Amen, that's what it says. Uh, no, that's not what it says. James, the first chapter, 22nd verse, says you got to be a hearer and a doer, and if you're not, you're deceiving yourself. That's what it says. 
But faith without works is dead. But James 1.22 says, hear and a doer. If you're not a hearer and a doer, you're deceiving yourselves. In other words, just like the man that built his house on the sand, you got to be a hearer and a doer. Amen. Um, wow, time flies when you're having fun. We're wrapping her up. Just another hour. I want you to see here, this woman was unclean. She had an issue of blood for 12 years, which means she was unclean. Unclean. That means if she touched a cup, she was unclean. If she ate out of a bowl, the bowl was unclean. If she shed, sat in that chair, that chair was deemed unclean. If she touched you, now you're unclean. Unclean. She wasn't supposed to come out of her house. She was off in an island to herself, but she heard about Jesus. And she was desperate, and she needed something. She's spent all her money the last 12 years. Nothing had got any better. In fact, it had got worse. She was desperate. She was determined. Now, the hem of his garment's down here. A big crowd thronging him. <clears throat> Do you think she just gracefully walked up and reached down and touched the hem of his garment? No, she's down on her hands and knees, crawling. Hands and knees crawling to touch the hem of that garment. You see, before this story starts, right here, it says the synagogue ruler, Jairus, came. And he told Jesus, he said, my little daughter, she's at home, she's sick, I need you to come pray for her. And Jesus said, all right, let's go. So they're on the way. And then this woman, the issue of blood comes up, and she says, uh, you know, we just read the story. Well, after he heals her, he, he goes on Jairus' house, and on the way, I mean, as soon as he heals her, as soon as he gets finished speaking with her, they came and said, don't trouble the master anymore. She's dead. Jesus says, only believe. Because there's an opportunity for fear to get in that man's heart right then and right there. He said, only believe. So he goes. He doesn't let anybody come but three of his disciples. He goes to the house. He says, she's only sleeping. He told her to rise. A little girl got up. She rose. She lived. But she was 12 years old. I can't prove this. I've studied this for countless hours. The connection between the woman who had an issue of blood for 12 years and the little girl who was 12 years old. But it is entirely possible that that woman was the mother of that child. It is entirely possible. It is entirely possible that she heard that her daughter, who she don't get to see anymore because she's unclean, is sick to the point of death. Sometimes when things like that happen with your children, that'll make you do things that you wouldn't do before. What I'm saying is if you ain't living for the Lord and you ain't coming seeking Jesus, if you won't do it for anybody else, do it for your children's sake. I know a man is a good friend of mine. One time his son got sick, got a bad report, had something on his brain, on his head, something. And I saw that man and I saw that woman, his mother and his father, on their knees right there. Whew, desperate, crawling, just to touch the hem of his garment. They've been living for the Lord ever since and the boy's been healed and it's all good. But I'm just telling you, dear Lord Jesus, mm, I don't even know what I'm telling you. Didn't plan that in my sermon. Not that I plan half of it. But I just mean there's somebody more important than you, and that's others. And if you won't seek the Lord for you, seek it for, for them. I remember Jackie would take those boys, and Mackenzie, she could walk, but the boys were in car seats, and Jackie would carry all three car seats to church by herself, and but can't she get them all dressed, take them to church by herself? And I felt at home. I was at home. I was fishing. I was hunting. I was riding. I was doing something. You know, while she's dragging all the kids to church. Well, finally, I said, well, dang, I got to go with them. I can't do that. I, 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 need, to, I need to be in, t in church a little more myself. And uh, uh, a long list of things, but I originally started coming on a regular basis because of my family. It wasn't for me. I thought I had everything figured out. I was going for them. I know nobody else has ever done that. But to be desperate, desperate enough that you'll crawl, and it ain't an okay God, 
Uh, I got 10 minutes right here to give you before my favorite show comes on, Bachelor, Bachelorette, or some garbage like that. And you say, you need to talk to me right here in 10 minutes or heal me or I'm moving on to watch this program. The other thing she did was she spoke. And people don't really put a lot of importance on speaking and think, ah, it ain't no big deal what I say. It's very important what you say because death and life are in the power of your tongue. Those who love it will eat its fruit. Do you believe the word of God? Is that what the word of God says? Well, if that's what the word of God says and you believe the word of God, you ought to believe this scripture right here because it is the word of God. It's the truth. Death and life are in the power of your tongue. There's no gray area. It's either white or black. It's either blessings or cursings. It's one or the other. It ain't no, ah, I'm just teasing, just joking around. No, life or death, blessings or cursings. There ain't no in-between. You don't need to let people speak down and speak negative, speak all this death over you, period. I don't care if it's your mama. I don't care if it's your grandmama. I don't care if it's your pastor. I don't care who it is. Don't let people speak death over you. Life, not death. I'd stay away from people that speak in death. My friends will call me and tell me sometimes, I mean something, you know, I say friends, people I know, I know a lot of people. I got random people that call me, I don't even hardly know them. Hey man, they'll tell me this long list of things and by all means it sounds like you need to divorce that woman. My goodness and what you're telling me. But I'd never tell them that. Why? Because of this scripture right here. Uh-uh, I ain't speaking death over nobody. And I also know there's two sides of every story. Her side of the story might be a lot worse than his. Everybody's catching it. You're going to catch it. How it runs in the family. I hate to tell you, son, but those symptoms you're having, I didn't want to tell you this, but, well, your great-granddaddy died from it, and your granddaddy died from it. Your daddy, well, he died from it, and you got the same symptoms. See, you know, there's just, it's genetics. Bull. I ain't in that bloodline. I'm in a different bloodline. Don't agree to that. Don't receive that. Don't receive anything negative. Even back when I was a dummy and the boys were born premature, they weighed two pounds, they're in the hospital, they got tubes running all out each and every way, and the doctors would come in, they never said anything good, never, never, never. only thing good they ever said was, see you later when we left. It was a negative report every day. You know what? I didn't accept it. I didn't receive it. I knew better than that. I'm not going to receive any of these words. They're speaking death. Nope. I rebuke it. They walk off. I don't receive that. I do not receive that. I rebuke those words. You need to do the exact same thing. Everybody's getting it. Well, I'm not. No, they said everybody is. Well, I'm not. You can if you want to. I'm not. Don't be speaking that garbage over me. Why? I have power and authority. I'm going to decide what this gets. <laughs> Y'all don't believe that, do you? That sounds outlandish. I'm just reading the Word of God to you. These words are important. The words you speak are important. Now, Isaiah the 54th chapter is very important. We, we say this all the time. We quote it. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. We'll say a thousand fall at my side, ten thousand at my right hand, but no evil will come or no plague will come near my dwelling. And those are all true. But I want you to read the rest of the 17th verse. It says, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And what else does it say? And every tongue which rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn it. That means when people start speaking negative and speaking curses, your marriage ain't going to make it. Oh, you're going to lose the house. Ain't no way you're going to do it. Oh, yeah, use around them. They had it. Oh, you're going to get it now. Oh, yeah, they all got their own. Use it with them. Ooh, you're doomed. I touched elbows. I was, I was just like this looking out over this high area, touching elbows with a guy, and he said, yeah. Oh, my wife called me. She's got the corona. And I just looked at him. I said, really? I said, well, man, I hate to hear that. Didn't phase me one bit. A lot of people would have got that news. I'm not bragging on me. I'm just telling you, hey, I ain't arrived, but I left home, buddy. A lot of people would have got that news and they'd have, up the highway burning rubber the heck out of Dodge. That's what I'm saying. I, don't, I, I hadn't arrived, but I've left home. I'm not going to be moved by fear. I'm not, I'm not going to receive that crap.
Um, every tongue which rises above you, you need to condemn it. You need to condemn it. You need to, if everybody's losing their job, you know what? What, what, do you, what do you reply with? You reply with the word of God. It says, my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. I'm not, hey, everybody might be losing their job. The company might go out of business, but I'm not looking to the company to provide me with a paycheck. I'm looking to God, and he says he'll supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. If that company goes out of business, so what? Another company's going to call and offer me a job making more money. Why? Because God supplies all my needs according to his riches and glory. And just have faith in that. See, Satan needs you to get into fear. Satan needs you to consent. Satan needs your cooperation. Satan needs you to embrace it. But you don't give him consent. You don't cooperate. And by all means, don't embrace it. Amen? If you go around this world living in the natural realm, you will be depressed. If all you watch is the news, Facebook, you go around living in the natural. If you go to the store, see everybody's going nuts, beating people in Walmart because they're not wearing a mask. I mean, that's a pretty funny video, but it's terrible. I mean, they just beat that old boy because he didn't have a mask on. That'll teach you to wear a mask when you're in a coma. You can just beat him. They had some kind of pole, and they were just waiting. Have y'all seen that? Crazy. <laughs> Jeez. I haven't worn a mask yet. I went to a restaurant with Jackie the other night, fancy restaurant, one of them that charges you three times the price, you know. But it's our 25th anniversary. By the way, we've been married 25 years as of last week. But the lady said, uh, sir, we need you to put your mask on while you wait until you get to your table. And I just said, okay. Well, I just ignored her and went on my business. I figured the time the cops got there, I'd been at my table anyway, so it wouldn't have mattered. And if you need to wear a mask, wear one. I'm not knocking that. I just don't need one because I don't have it and I'm not going to get it. Because I'm not going to give, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not cooperating with, with Satan. I, I'm looking a little further than the natural realm. The natural realm would depress you. Amen. Look at this scripture right here. And we're almost done. I know I already said that, but. For your obedience has become known to all. Therefore, I am glad on your behalf, but I want you to be wise in what is good and simple concerning evil. That word simple is ignorant. In some translations, it may even say retarded. I want you to be wise, knowledgeable. I want you to be wise in what is good and ignorant concerning evil. Do you know it's the exact opposite? Most people are ignorant concerning good and wise concerning evil because you know more about what's going on in the world and you know more about all the symptoms. And the first thing that happens, you get a symptom and you're going to Google it and you've already self-diagnosed yourself and you're already called. You've already called Mike Raglan down there, man. I'll even get him to dig a grave for you. He digs the graves down there. I tell people that. People say, I'm horsing around with them. They say they went and had the corona test or, or um, um, they have these symptoms. I said, let me know if you, if you need me to call Mike Raglan. Who's Mike Raglan? He digs graves here, man, Olive. Don't be talking like that. Get into the Word. See what the Word has to say. If we were ignorant, and what if we didn't have a TV? What if you didn't even have any electronics? Let's just say you lived out on the farm somewhere. McKenzie and Mason came home last night. They're talking about this family. It's kind of like Amish. They live out there. They've never had a Coke. They've never been into town. They've never seen any things. And I said, I guarantee you, they're not scared. They are not scared about what's going in the, on in the world because they're ignorant to it. Now, if you're ignorant to those things, but you're wise to the Word of God, what in the world would you have to be afraid of? Amen. You, you, let me tell you. If you, you know, we pay, we pay good money every month. I'm talking about that TV. I was talking about just having it taken out. I'm tired of it. I am tired of it. But uh, we pay good money to have sewage popped into your house, into my house. Sewage should be going the other way. Right, Jesse? That's right. If it's coming that way, you got some serious issues. But we pay good money to have sewage from the other side of the world pop straight into your house because it comes through that TV right into your eyeballs and it goes right into your ears. And if you don't think it's affecting you, you're mistaken. Amen. The woman said with her mouth, she spoke the words. That's because faith is activated when you speak. 
You can speak fears or you can speak the word. You can speak truth or you can speak life. You can speak blessings or you can speak cursings. You can say we ain't gonna or you can say we are gonna. Praise the Lord. Am I saying deny the truth? No, I ain't saying deny the truth. Uh, twist it around. People get it twisted. I'm not saying any of those things. Um, it may look terrible. I'm not denying that it looks terrible. You know, not denying the situation. It looks terrible. Or somebody may walk up to you and go, you look terrible. I'm not going to say, no, I don't. I look good. Well, I may look terrible, but by his stripes, I am healed. It may look terrible, but things are impossible with man, but all things are possible with God. See, it's important where you put your butt. <laughs> That's important too. It's important where you put your butt because you can say, by his stripes, I am healed, but I ain't feeling healed. I'm feeling bad. My God shall supply all my needs, but it's not looking good. See, where you put your butt's important. Get a hold of it now. I don't care what kind of water pipe you got. I don't care if it's uh, chrome molly, silver, gold plate. Like working with wood, that's going to flow through that wood like it does through that metal. And just because you like working with wood, the law of ohms, the law of electricity, it's not going to be superseded just because you'd rather electricity flow through the wood than the metal. You've got to cooperate with the laws. And what I'm telling you is you've got to cooperate with God's laws. Praise the Lord.